Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and today we are bringing you chapters 40, 41, and 42 of Throne of Glass. As a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. To recap last week's episode, Philippa helped Selena get ready for the Yulmas Ball, and she helped her fool her guards into thinking that she was invited all along. She made quite the entrance, and the guests all wonder who she is, and Kale is obviously outraged as soon as he sees her. Dorian is enamored with her and dances with her all night long, ignoring all the other court ladies. Nehemia leaves early, feigning not feeling well. We see Caltaine is envious, and she decides that something must be done about Lady Lillian. Then we get our beloved Selena Dorian kiss, and it was super sweet. We loved it. And then we ended it with Kale being jealous and watching her from the garden, and it was a tad bit creepy. But moving on to that, we head straight into chapter 40 today. Selena is awoken by the licking of the puppy and finds her staring down at her, its tail wagging. She hadn't meant to sleep in as they have the final test in two days, which will decide who the four finalists will be for the duel. Selena asks the puppy if she has peed somewhere and has come to tell her about it. Dorian answers from the doorway that he let her out with the other dogs this morning. She tells Dorian it's a little early for a visit, but he tells her it's 1 p.m. and she's been sleeping like the dead all morning. Selena thinks that at least there wasn't another murder because she would have already heard about it and feels guilty that she thought Nehemia might be responsible for it all. Dorian asks if she's named the puppy yet. She says no. She hasn't been able to think of anything appropriate yet. He suggests Goldie, but she tells him that's the stupidest name she has ever heard. After looking at the puppy's paws, she decides that Fleetfoot is the perfect name. I'm sorry, Sarah, but what planet were you on when you decided that Goldie was a stupid name, but Fleetfoot <laughs> was perfect? Where did she come up with that? That's one th I will never figure out, like, wh how she was just sitting down and she was like, Fleetfoot. I think as far as names go, that's a pretty straightforward one that I can at least pronounce in the series. <laughs> I give it, I give it, I give it the props that it's one that we can actually say. Yeah. It's I'm not guessing... a Kale, Kale in a... Kale, yeah. Nahemia. Manon, Nahemia. Manon. Irene. Sardothian. Yeah. But also, I'm guessing this is where people, when they write or draw what they think Fleetfoot looks like, to go to Golden Retriever. <laughs> I'm guessing because her fur is gold and Dorian's like, oh, let's call her Goldie. But it, she's not a she's not a Golden Retriever. No, she's a, She's like a, 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 hound. a hound, a hunting hound much, so she's pretty leaner. much. But she looks like a hunting hound. That's yeah. not a Golden Retriever. <laughs> yeah, that's not a Golden Retriever. Dorian asks Selena if she slept well and she replies yes, though he must not have if he was up so early. He apologizes if he was too forward last night when he kissed her. Selena tells him it was nothing. I didn't mind it, but I didn't hate it, if that's what you're thinking. Dorian says, so you did like it. And Selena, feeling like she might die from embarrassment, flings the covers over her head. Dorian says that from that reaction, it makes him think that she's never been kissed before. Selena, trying not to think about Sam and what she shared with him, says of course she has, but never by some stuffed shirt, pompous, arrogant princeling. I'm sorry, but princeling only works when it's Manon. It doesn't have the same ring to it. Like, it doesn't have the same 
mm-hmm. same vibe. It's like playful when Selena's saying it, but when Manon's saying it, she's being serious. Yeah. <laughs> Witchling and Fritzling. Selena got up and walked to the balcony. She could feel him staring at her back and at the three long scars her low-cut nightgown did not hide. She faced him and noticed something wary in the gaze. He tells her that her scars are awful. We all bear scars, Dorian. Mine just happened to be more visible than most. This is like one of the best lines in the series. Mm-hmm. Because one, it kind of points out that like everybody has like a struggle that they've gone through. Even if that struggle isn't like physically visible on that person's body. And I also think that this line will speak to Dorian after the events of Air Fire and Queen of Shadows, because not only does he have the visible markings of the torque being on his neck for so long, but he also has the mental internal scars he got from being like trapped inside his own mind and not being able to do anything. I'm reading Queen of Shadows right now, and let me just tell you, pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my favorite book, yeah. but every Dorian chapter is just pain. Yeah. He, he even mentions... Nobody is realizing that it's not me doing this. Like everybody's just pretending. Nobody recognizes that I am not myself and nobody's coming to help me. He knows Kale knows. Right. But like nobody else in the castle. Mm -hmm. His own mother. Yeah. His own mother and everything. Nobody's recognizing this change in him that's happened. I think that's just poignant in general that for Selena, like the these those scars on her back is nowhere close to the extent of the worst scars in quotes that mm-hmm. she bears. Like just her her whole life and everything she's gone through. Like she's like, oh, these scars. Like yeah, that hurt, but that was just you know one thing that happened to me. And I think a lot of people feel that way too. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you can't see it, then it must not exist. But these mental things you go through, and Dorian having this valg inside of him just all of our characters have so many things that they'll be able to appreciate it more later but I mean not to get too deep but that's just like in society in general like physical illnesses get way more attention than mental illnesses do Uh and it's just it's still stigmatized and yeah I won't go into a tangent but yeah a lot of mental scars mental things are yes. worse than physical and and it doesn't and it only takes a physical thing that someone can see to be like oh yeah you went through this or you've had this problem or you've dealt with that and it, it doesn't get the recognition it should yeah yes which I will say when we get to air fire which I I'm in the process of rereading the whole series and tabbing it and being a crazy person but I just finished air fire and it's when Selena is still so terrified of her power and she's trying she's fighting the valg and she's trying to figure out like why there's this barrier there for her and how she was scared to like fully embrace these powers the thing that she considered the worst moment of her life was actually not waking up in the bed to her dead parents not anything she went through with Arabin or none of that none of her training it was the fact that marion loken sacrificed herself so that Aelin could escape and then because of that moment Aelin wasn't able to get to where she was supposed to go she fell in the river she considered her being picked up and being turned into an assassin was like she felt the guilt that Marion did something 
to sacrifice herself to save Aelin. And mm-hmm. that was what she considered the worst moment of everything. So then it switches to Caltaine's view, POV. Caltaine is walking with Duke Parrington in the greenhouse. He picks a snow white lily and gives it to her. And she tries not to cringe at the sight of his pocked, broody skin and orange mustache. The thought of being stuck with him made her want to rip all the plants out by their roots and throw them in the snow. Parrington says she seems out of spirit, and she says it's because today pales in comparison to all the fun she had at the ball last night. Parrington tells her she doesn't need to pretend with him. He saw her watching the prince at the ball. The black ring on his finger seemed to pulse, and her head gave a throb in pain in response. He tells her he noticed the prince as well, specifically the troublesome girl. So I wonder what specifically in this moment Parrington was doing to like cause the pain. Like was he actively attacking her brain kind of like what the king did to Aelin mm-hmm. when she when he visited Orient and attacked her at dinner? Like is he doing that same kind of thing to her in this moment? Yeah, because in that moment, isn't he trying to, like, provoke her so that she shows her power and she uses her power? Yes, he was trying Mm -hmm. to, he was trying to make Aelin's powers respond because her fire was the only thing that could get rid of the vow. Mm -hmm. And so he, what he wanted was for her to attack and kind of save himself. And that was, like, one of those few moments Moments. where he still had hold of himself Mm -hmm. and had the ability to, react and do things yeah so this is almost like as he is parrington doing this well i guess the king had ulterior motives obviously Mm -hmm. but is parrington trying to see if his manipulations works on her like yes yeah i don't think sarah ever really explains how he was kind of doing or is he saying like if she was tolerable to being manipulated or having magic or however i can't remember use her i can't remember exactly where he says it to the king. It's in one of the POVs where him and the king are talking. And one of them says this experiment proved that they were both susceptible to his magic. So we, yeah. So at least we know for sure every time her head gives that throb, he's using his magic on her at, somehow. Yes. Whether that's to play to her own emotions of jealousy and trying to get her to do that or... I don't, I don't think he's putting these thoughts in her. I think she already kind of has them and he's going above and beyond what she's willing to do about it. Yeah. Lady Lillian, Caltain asks, relieved that Duke Parrington hadn't noticed her wanting the prince, but rather how Lillian and Dorian clung to each other all night. So she calls herself, you don't honestly believe that girl is a purebred lady. Parrington then tells her that Lady Lillian is actually the notorious assassin Selena Sardothian, and she has her claws in Dorian's heart. Caltaine thinks that she is going to have to be cleverer and that she cannot simply just reveal who Lillian truly is and that it might not be enough. I always find lines where they talk down about Selena's breeding as hilarious during the reread because she's Aelin and mm-hmm. a literal queen. They are right that she isn't pure blood human or whatever because she's actually a demi mm-hmm. but I just find it hilarious. They're like, yeah. oh, she's not a proper bred lady. Right. Oh, she's just like the riffraff. And I'm like, she's a whole queen, right? <laughs> she's literally like should be on a throne right now. 
if you didn't tear her kingdom apart and burn her throne, she would actually mm-hmm. be sitting on the throne right now. So in about eight books, she'll be sitting on a throne with a king consort. Yeah. He doesn't actually <laughs> get to be. She He's rules things. She's he the queen. just he just sits beside her and looks pretty. Right. Kind of like the queen. God rest <laughs> her soul. Paltain asks what they can do. They cannot let Dorian endanger himself like this. Parenton's face shifted for a moment towards something pained and ugly, but it was so fast she barely noticed it above the pounding rising in her head. She needed her pipe so that she could calm down before she had a fit. Parenton tells her about the final duel and that the champions will drink a toast in honor of the goddess and the gods. He says that he was going to ask Caltain to preside over the toast as a representation of the goddess and that maybe she could slip something into her drink. Kill her myself? asked Caltain. She thinks hiring someone to do it was one thing, but to do it herself. The duke tells her no, not kill her. But the king agrees that something drastic needs to be done. Something that will make Dorian think it was an accident. If she was given a dose of bloodbane that wasn't lethal, but enough to make her lose control, then it would give Cain the advantage he needs. Caltain was so naive in this moment to let herself be set up to be the fall guy. She literally just walked into what happens to her at the end of the book. Also, Let's acknowledge that even with stealing the other champion strengths with the Ritterac, that they still thought Kane needed additional help to defeat Selena. Like, this man has been killing people and stealing their powers mm-hmm. the entire book, and you still need her to be drugged so that your champion has a chance to beat her? It's hilarious to me. The thing about Kaltine, too, is she thinks it's reverse, and she thinks that she is smarter than everyone else and she thinks she is the one in charge and she's manipulating and pulling the strings all here really she's just a puppet in the king and parrington's game she's kind of like a 16 year old when you like think you know everything (laughs) and then as you get older you know less and less you're like i thought i had it all figured out in high school Uh and then i got to college and i was like i don't know nothing (laughs) i'm about to turn 30 in three months and i'm like i still feel like a child yeah I still don't know what's going on. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a good thing I don't have a child yet because I'm like, I don't even know what I would do with you. I swear no one knows what they're doing, which is kind of sad to kids everywhere. But (laughs) I swear no, everyone's just winging it. The whole world's winging it. (laughs) Yeah. Like nobody, if somebody tells you they have it figured out, they're lying. (laughs) They're lying. I don't believe them because the older I get, I'm like, the less I know. Yeah. I'm just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Just like. (laughs) Trying to make it to the next day, guys. <laughs> and now that I've gone completely off track, can't Kane kill her on his own? Asked Caltain. Her head gives a sharp, intense throb that echoes through her body. Parenton tells her that Kane thinks he can, but he doesn't like taking risk. He grabs her hands, his ring ice cold against her skin. She had to fight the urge to rip her hands from his grip. Parrington asks, don't you want to help Dorian once he's free of her? He trod off. Caltain thinks that once he's free of Selena, he will be hers, as he should be. He gave her a broad smile that made her instincts tell her to run and run and never look back. But all that her mind could see was a crown and a throne and the prince who would sit by her side. She tells Parrington to tell her what she needs to do. Baby girl. Throughout all of this, her instincts are telling her, like, 
she's repulsed by him. She's mm -hmm. grossed out by him. She doesn't want him to touch her. She doesn't want to look at him. Her instincts are like, girl, this is not it. And a woman's intuition is right. And if her, all of her instincts are like, run, get away from him. But mm -hmm. she's like, nope, I need Dorian. I need the prince. I need a throne. Like you should have ran when you had the chance. Yeah, you should have never have let him bring you to this castle. Mm-hmm. So she gets a really cool revenge moment. So, yeah. I mean, everything else she'd go through was terrible. But at least she gets a really cool scene out of it. She caused some damage. Yes, she did. So then we go into chapter 41, which starts with Selena in her room studying word marks and wondering how long it took Nehemia to learn them. She wonders how their powers still work when magic itself was gone. She thinks it is wrong to have thought that Nehemia could do those bad things. Nehemia was one of the good ones. They were friends. She discovers the symbols that she'd seen near the body in the margin of the book someone had written centuries ago. For sacrifices to the Ritterac, using the victim's blood, mark the area around it accordingly. Once the creature has been summoned, these marks will guide the exchange. For the flesh of the sacrifice, the beast will grant you the victim's strength. Selena began flipping through the book, looking for more information about the marks under her bed, but she was unable to find anything. She wonders what the beast is and where it had been summoned from when she realizes it's the word gates. Someone was actually using the word gates to open a portal to summon this creature. It should be impossible because magic was gone, but the text said that the word marks existed outside of magic. Again, she thinks, how could Nehemia do this, and why did she need the champion's strength? She knew Nehemia could be a cunning actress. She loved Ilwe and would do anything to free her country. But what if Nehemia is here to start something bigger? What if she's here to start a rebellion? Not a rebellion as it is now, with the rebels hiding in the wilderness, but a rebellion in the sense of entire kingdoms rising up against Otterland as it should have been from the start. She's right in thinking that Nehemia is there for something bigger and that it's related to the rebellion, but, like, Nehemia isn't the one uniting all the kingdoms to rise up against Otterland. But she is right in saying, yeah, that's what they should have done from the beginning. Mm -hmm. All these kingdoms come together to fight this one country that's trying to take over the whole world. But Erewhon was smarter than mm -hmm. all of them. He knew... He had all this time sitting in that coffin under that mountain to just plot and plan. And he knew he had to take out thousands of strongest, years of time. Yeah. He had to take out the strongest kingdom first. And then the other ones would get in line because they, if, if Otterland falls, they're the strongest kingdom we have. No one else is going to rise up against us. And they didn't have help from their cousins over in Wendelin. And obviously Maeve and Doranel, but still. Well, Wendelin didn't come because Maeve partially controls them i just read it in air fire that's the yeah, reason i, I know it. I <laughs> Wendelin didn't come because Maeve said that that was their continent's problem to deal with mm -hmm. not hers and so Wendelin had to follow suit and not do it mm -hmm. and so not she said any she said any fey who could make it to her kingdom was welcome mm -hmm. but that she wasn't sending aid yeah. which she was just mad because brandon stole the keys from her and ran away and that's a whole that's mm -hmm. deep in the plot. That's <laughs> deep in the plot. Like, I started rabbit holing back to Throne of Glass. <laughs> Before we know about any of that yet, yes. <laughs> I mean, this is a 
a reread. So right, right. Podcast. We're, we're tying so, like, off the time. We know, <laughs> we know it's coming, but yeah. Right. Also in this, Selena went from, oh, Nehemia, she's the culprit. And then she's like, oh no, she's my friend. She would never do this. And now she's back to, no, she's the suspect and I've got to stop her. She toggles back and forth with each little thing. Also, it was kind of sad when she was talking about how, you know, maybe her desperation for wanting a friend blinded her to the truth mm-hmm. of what Nehemia was. And that was just like a little sad moment into her psyche of like, she wants friends so bad yes. that she's willing to like overlook at the things that they do. And yeah, it just made me sad because even though Nehemia comes to be her friend, mm-hmm. she still keeps secrets from her and there's still not that true bond and friendship there. Which took about to air fire again. Air fire really just it yeah. drops so much. That's the turning point in this series for sure. I think. It really is like she dropped so much of what happened right before the war. Mm-hmm. Speaking of like Selena wanting friends, Aylin's only friend in childhood was Adion, her cousin, who was like had yeah. to be her friend pretty much. She says they were they were basically siblings in mm-hmm. the way they were raised, and that she wasn't upset that Adion was her friend, but when the king and Dorian came, Selena like. Well, Aelin. At the time, Aelin. She made an offering to Dorian about being friends. And Dorian responds that he was like, I don't need any friends because I have Kale. Sweet baby Dorian, I'm going to leave you alone and let your little... (laughs) You were like eight, so that's fine. (laughs) And he was like, oh, I wish I had the line in front of me. But he was like, I don't need any friends because I have my friend Kale. And he's like, gonna be the greatest warrior in the land of all time and i'm like okay kale is not even top five we got lorkin we got rowan we got gavriel we got fenris we got nezrin we got (laughs) adion and then nezrin tops you sartok tops you (laughs) pork tops you yeah pork poor kale he could have been better. I think he just let a lot of things stand in his way or his pride or just his he, his own mind got in his way. I think my issue with Kale, I realized this this weekend, is that in a fantasy book, he is so human. Yeah. He acts exactly how a normal human male Our would, act, and- mm-hmm. would act. Yeah. And I'm like, in my fantasy book, I don't want you. <laughs> in my fantasy book, in my fantasy book, yeah, I don't, I want the Rowans. Yeah. I want the Resands. I want the Zaydens. I want the Dorians. Like, I yeah. want the touch her and die guy. I don't want the protocol. And, yeah, yeah, I don't want the Mr. Like, I want the guy that's like, oh, you just killed that guy? Good job, honey. Good job. <laughs> Supporting, cheering her on in the background. Well, you killed a criminal. No, that's yeah. not what energy I want you to bring. <laughs> that's so true, though, because he is like the only human, technically. I mean, Dorn's technically a human. But he has uh, raw magic. Yeah. I just feel like it's Fey Heritage. We won't get into that, but it is yeah. his Fey Heritage, but his is. Yeah. What makes him and Aelin different is that. Her mother was Faye, 
She's her got mother, it on both sides, whereas his yes. is only from Elena, and it's thousands of years ago. Yeah. But also, yeah, yeah, with him, it's just so, it, I mean, it is how it's, any normal person would act. But in this scenario, when you have all of these larger-than-life gods and goddesses, basically, it's like, ew. <laughs> why are you acting like that? Like, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? Which, yeah, he does bring the human aspect to it, and yeah, we're all like, He's the um, he's the Matt Donovan. Yeah, that's exactly he's the, what he's is. the Matt Donovan. It's like when you zoom out, it's reasonable actually. <laughs> it's like you're but making like, points and you're making good sense here, but I don't want to hear them. I'm blind. Like, <laughs> I'm deaf. I don't want to hear the points you're making. This is a fantasy novel. I don't want any sane thoughts here. <laughs> I want nothing. But insanity and chaos and learn them down kind of energy. I don't yeah. want the, oh, well, you really shouldn't have killed someone. Yeah. Like, like embrace no, it. No, kill them all. <laughs> like Dorian, he embraces it. He's like, I didn't grow up. I grew up a human with no magic and this, that, and the other. But I'm all for this crazy girl, this crazy assassin, and this witch that wants to kill me and eats the hearts of men. Like, come on, come on. And we're like, yes, you. Like, that's the most insane you can be. And we're like, I want him. <laughs> I like him. Speaking about Dorian doing that, it was like, after he, Dorian decided to pursue something with Manon after watching Aelin do her little, like, crazy scene with Lysandra pretending to be Aelin and then Aelin flirting with Rowan and then doing all this crazy stuff. And then when her and Roth, like, made an agreement, he was like, this girl is crazy. And reckless, I think I need a little bit of that in my life. And then yeah. he was like, shadow hands and women on. <laughs> we're going to leave it there. Yeah. Okay, back to the story. Selena looks up to see the tapestry rippling with a phantom wind. She thinks that there is only one place in the castle to summon or hide a creature, the endless forgotten chambers and tunnels. Just as it had previously, a cold, damp breeze leaked through the cracks, but it did not smell of roses. All of the murders occurred within two days of a test, which meant the murder would happen either tonight or the next. With the marks under her bed, she wasn't going to wait for the Ritter Act to show up. If Nehemia had truly lied to her and was murdering champions, then Selena would see for herself so she could kill her with her bare hands. Selena reached the crossroads at the staircase. The path on the left led to a dead end, and the one on the right led to Elena's tomb, where she had seen countless other passageways leading to unknown places. She stepped closer to the archway when she noticed that the centuries-old dust had been disturbed. As she went further down the staircase, the whispers began filling the corridor, slithering off the walls. It was the sound of someone speaking rapidly, almost chanting. Not Nehemia, but a man. A greenish light seeped out onto the stones of the stairwell. The hair on her arms rose as the voice became clear. It didn't speak any tongue that she recognized. It was guttural and harsh and grated against her ears as if it sucked the very warmth from her bones. The man panted as he spoke, like the words burned his throat, and finally he gasped for air. Inside the small chamber, kneeling before the darkness, so black it seemed poised to devour the world, was Cain. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Love the sound effect. <laughs> In Crown of Midnight, we see Selena describe speaking the word as like a painful process, and we also see Feyre, when she's speaking the holy tongue with the cauldron, describe it similarly, similar, describe it the same way. 
<laughs> I can't say similarly, similarly. <laughs> and we this is why I blame it all on my roots. <sighs> What's her face would be so ashamed of us. Miss Hatcher, our AP literature teacher. <laughs> no, Miss Craps. Yeah. She would be scolding us right Similarly. Now. Similarly. Similarly. Anyway, the same. <laughs> the same to how mm. Selena describes speaking the word. And the coldness kind of reminds me of when Bryce summons Adius or has like any interaction with the Princess of Hell or when she's like in the bone quarter. Just wanted to pull those parallels that happen in other series. And also, again, why are you so shocked that it's Kane? He was like the most obvious option. Yeah. I feel like Mushu, when Mulan can hit the bad guy, like he's right in front of her, and then she aims it at the mountain, and she like hits the mountain instead, mm-hmm. and he's like, he was right in front of you. How did you miss? <laughs> and I'm like, that's me. He was right in front of you, Selena. How did you How did you miss I think they were almost like, it's too <laughs> obvious. He looks like it could be him, so it's not him. Looks like he could kill you? Could kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's right there. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, must be a duck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then we move into chapter 42. It was Kane, the person who had been getting stronger and better as the competition went on. Selena had thought it was only because of his training, but he'd been using word marks and the beast to steal the dead champion's strength. He dragged his hand across the darkness and greenish light sprung up from where his fingers passed before being sucked into the void like wraiths on the wind. One of his hands was bleeding. There was a click of claw on stone and a hiss like an extinguished flame. And then stepping toward Cain on knees that bent the wrong way, like an animal's hind legs, the Ritterach emerged. It was something out of an ancient god's nightmares. Its hairless gray skin stretched tightly across its misshapen head, displaying a mouth filled with black fangs. Elena was right. This was evil. The amulet pulsed around her neck as if urging her to run. Selena took a step back as Cain whirled to look at her, and the Redorak's head shot up, its slitted nostrils sniffing twice. A massive wind shoved into her from behind and made her stumble into the room. Cain says it wasn't meant to be her tonight, but this is too good of an opportunity to waste. So I want to know who was going to be Kane's choice of victim since he said that it wasn't supposed to be Selena. And let me just say that the Ritterac sounds absolutely terrifying. I Googled it and you don't Mm-mm. want to know. <laughs> I'll post it in our story for this episode just so everyone can experience the Ritterac with us. Like yeah. if we had to go through the trauma, You're you have to go through the trauma. <laughs> yeah. Also, who do you think created the wind that pushed Selena into the room? Like, was it Kane? Was it the Ritterac? Or was it like some external dark mm-hmm. force in the room? Because she said the wind came from behind. Yeah. And immediately when she stepped into the passageway, she's like, it doesn't smell like roses. We know Elena and them aren't there. And they obviously, she's warning her with the necklace, get mm-hmm. away. Like, you know, you're in danger. But yeah, was it? Kane having powers and like pushing her yeah not too sure and then if Kane would have pulled the power from Selena do you think he would have gotten her face strength I know she doesn't have access to her magic her magic is blocked but mm-hmm. she's it's still a part of her strength and essence like Adian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like I wonder if 
I feel like that part would. of her would transfer to Kane. And if so, terrifying. Right. And then would have give would it have given him the ability to shift into a fae? I don't know, know. It's it's like if the towers came down, would he be able to use Selena's magic or or is it only strength that he gets during yeah. this witch ritual? And this, I know we we talk about this when we've talked about the rhetoric before and but it's just sounds these beasts just sound so similar to the beasts of hell <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like there's so much correlation like i guess there's there is a which chance scares that me yeah there's there's other planets and we know there's a lot of them it's like these are very very similar to be two completely separate places mm-hmm. which we don't have a confirmation we'll have to wait till hofast for more more answers but yeah she hasn't brought tog completely in to the story yet like it's not canon yet so we shall see. She's referenced it enough. Yeah. But we haven't seen like full on proof. And just yeah. to let me know, just just to let y'all know that if anyone from Tog shows up in Hofast, I will just pass away. <laughs> Everybody else is like, leave Aelin out of it. Yeah. And I'm like, put Aelin in it. Like, yeah. please, I want to see. I want her. I yeah. want Manon. I want Dorian. I want Abraxas. After the heartbreak of Kingdom of Ash, we need, we need something. I need Queen Manon of Otterland to show yeah. up. Yes. The Ritterac's eyes were unlike anything she had seen before. There was nothing in them except for endless, ageless hunger. The creature was not of this world. The word marks worked and the gates were real. She pulled her makeshift knife from her pocket. Kane moved so quickly she could only blink before he was behind her with the knife in his hands. It was as if he were no more than shadows and wind. So... Can he just move really fast, or did he, like, winnow? The way it's described, I didn't, I never took it as him winnowing. I don't, I don't but think But the it way is. it's, like, shadows and wind, and mm-hmm. that's exactly how she describes winnowing, too. So we're like, yeah. which is he doing here? You know, which we don't get anything close to it until we get Fenris later mm-hmm. on. But I'm going to guess that since she doesn't describe it later on, I don't know. The secret dies with Kane, I guess. Because we yeah. never talk about it again, but that is a good point. Like, did he winnow there? Is he just, like, ridiculously fast? Yeah. Kane shut Selena in the room with the Ritterat. The greenish light still seeped from the marks on the floor. Marks Kane had etched with his own blood. She tried to open the door, shouting for Kane, but it was locked. The Ritterat stalked back and forth in front of her. She wondered why it didn't immediately attack, but Selena realized that Varen had been incapacitated. The Ritterat liked its blood warm and it was looking for the easiest way to immobilize her. Just know that if this was me, I would be dead. I'm not your girl in this (laughs) scenario. I'm not the main character in an epic fantasy. I want to be the main character in, like, a (laughs) rom-com, cowboy, billionaire romance. Like, (laughs) put me in that scenario. Oh, you you put me in the, you have a lot of money, you want to spend money on me and tell me I never have to work again? Absolutely. I am I'm your girl I am your girl (laughs) sign me up I'm not gonna like those main character girls where they're like in that they're like I want to make it on my own I don't need your money honey (laughs) you want to spend your money on me you want to spend I can find things to buy I can find things to buy trust me yes my mother was like we always joke about winning the lottery hi mom there was like some mega billion that million whatever thing a couple months ago and she was like I don't know that we could spend that much money and I was like no we could <laughs> me me and you mom we could 
spend that much money if you gave us the ch- if you were just like hey just see if you can do it we could we could <laughs> yes. so to end that little tangent i want to be elaine or juniper in the epic fantasy i want to be the one that's there but like the world not, doesn't rest on your shoulders not the chosen one yeah. i don't want to be the chosen one girl i just want to be around and like do what i want to do but not actually have to die for it. yeah <laughs> which this is not me hating on either of those characters i like both of them mm-hmm. i'm very interested to see what elaine's future plot is because i think it's going to be very interesting mm-hmm. i think we got big things coming from her and i don't actually have any thoughts on juniper she just kind of there so really i just want to be juniper because elaine's probably gonna have to like life on the line at some point yeah elaine's getting like, it it's elaine it's about to go down <laughs> leave the saver in the world to the men yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> The feminism leaving my body. <laughs> like, no, I, I love like that for Aylin. I love that for Manon, for Feyre, for Nesta. Bryce, like, you do it, girl. And now live like, back I, three. <laughs> like, I love reading a book where the main character is the female and she's just kicking butt yeah. and taking names and running the world. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you go, honey. I got your back <laughs> from right here on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Belena didn't want to die down here. No one would be able to find her, and she wouldn't be able to tell Nehemia she had been wrong. She realized that the answer to her problems lay on her right, the right passageway that led to the tomb below. The creature sank back onto its haunches, poised to spring in that moment Selena came up with the most reckless and brave plan she had ever concocted. Air Fire, Queen of Shadows, Empire Storm, and Kingdom of Ash Aelin is telling Throne of Glass Selena to sit down and hold her beer because she comes up with way crazier schemes than using the Ritter Act to break open the door. This one is like sitting at a little tea party to com- compare to the things that she gets up to in future books. Yeah. It was like a precursor of things to come. It was Sit really down. like a baptism by fire, though. Pretty it much. It was like straight up. You get to see this thing. You finally figure out what the beast is. And, and then, then it wants to kill you. Yeah, then it's on you. When the Ritterac ran for Selena, she ran straight toward him and hurtled over him. The Ritterac slammed into the locked door behind her, shattering it. She didn't have time to think as she turned around and started running for the tomb. She wouldn't survive if she tried to run to her chambers, but she would have a chance if she made it to the tomb. She prayed to the gods whose names she had forgotten and hoped that they hadn't forgot her. Someone wanted her down here on Sam Hewen. Someone wanted her to find the tomb so that she could survive this. The door to the chamber was open as if someone was waiting for her. She ran for Damaris, the sword of the ancient king, displayed atop its stand shining in the moonlight, the metal still gleaming after a thousand years. She only had time to see its eyes in the blur of its skin before she drove Damaris through the Ritterac's face. Pain lanced through her as they slammed into a wall. Black blood that stank of waste sprayed onto her. She didn't move as she stared into those black eyes barely inches from her own. Not as she saw her hand caught between its teeth, her blood oozing down its chin. I just realized Mort. Yeah, I did. I realized it at the same time you did. I saw your light bulb go off and I was like, Mort opened the door. As if somebody had opened the door. Mort opened, Mort opened the, the door. door. He for sure knew. Yeah, we, we came to that same conclusion. At the same time, we were both same like, yeah. it was Mort. <laughs> and we still don't get him for a long time. I know, we don't get him till the next book. Mm-hmm. She didn't move until the amulet throbbed again. She first pried her hand away from its teeth, an arc of gushing puncture wounds encircled her thumb. She swayed on her feet as she pushed the Ritterac off her. It was surprisingly light as if the bones were hollow or there was nothing inside of it. 
As the world became foggy, she pulled Damaris from its skull. She used her shirt to wipe Damaris clean and put it back on its stand. She left the Ritterac upon the pile of jewels. When Selena made it back to her room, she noticed the wound hadn't clotted and the blood was pouring down her wrist. Her legs gave out and she collapsed. Her vision turned blurry. The ice in her arm reached up her arm and down her legs. There was a booming thunderous noise and she heard a cry of a female voice, but she had felt so cold it almost burned. Lillian, cried Nehemia. Lillian, what happened to you? Selena remembered little of what happened next. She felt strong arms lift her up and rush her into the bathing chamber. Selena's hand burned from where it touched the water of the bathing pool. She thrashed, but Nehemia held her in the water, saying words in a tongue she did not understand. The light in the room pulsed and her skin tingled. She found her arms covered in glowing turquoise marks, word marks. Nehemia held her in the water, rocking back and forth. Blackness swallowed her up. So I want to know why certain marks are blue and some are green. Like, does the intention of what you're doing change the marks? Because, like, when Selena summons Nehemia in Crown of Midnight, when Nehemia comes out, the marks are blue. But then when Selena accidentally wipes her hand on them and summons the, like, hell world, they mm-hmm. turned green. So I guess, like, blue is good, green is evil. Yeah. It's like Avada Kedavra is green, and then, yeah. like, Expeller Armis is another color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing Valg, green. Green means bad. Green means bad. That's just what it is. This was a cool part. She wasn't aware of what's going on, but she, like, heard noises and stuff, and mm-hmm. Nehemia had to basically break through her room, and I guess that was, like, the loud noises she was hearing, and... I guess we'll get to it next. We'll figure out how Nehemia knew to go there and all of that in the next couple of chapters. But we finally met the beast that's been killing all of the champions. And now it's dead. Yeah, so there's five. There was five champions left. So her, Kane, Knox is still alive. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who the other two are. Kane Which fights. Knox is going to. Knox leaves. So then it's just them four in the final duel. Yeah. And then Kane mm-hmm. fights, Fantastic. she fights Graves, and he fights, she fights Graves, yeah. Renault. Renault. Mm-hmm. I forgot he, I forgot I forgot about him. Yeah, so it's Selena, Kane, Renault, and Grave, and then Knox, Knox, but Knox is obviously leaving. Yeah, so I wonder who was the target for the Ritter Act that night. My money's on Knox. I'm, be- I'm guessing Knox, because Grave is his, like, buddy. If he has friends. Little minions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, to recap this episode, we have Duke Parrington revealing to Caltaine who Lady Lillian really is, as in Selena Sardothian. And he uses his power somehow to manipulate her into agreeing to poison Selena before the duel in order to save Dorian. Selena goes back and forth on thinking Nehemia is the one responsible for murdering the champions. And in a book, she finds the same word marks that were beside the dead champion's bodies and discovers that they summon a beast called the Ritterac. She goes exploring the secret passageways intent on finding Nehemia and stopping her, but she finds Kane instead. He locks her in the chamber with the Ritterac and she leads it to Elena and Gavin's tomb and uses Damaris to kill it, but not before she's bitten. She makes it back to her rooms before collapsing where Nehemia finds her and puts her into a bath murmuring words in a strange tongue and Selena sees her arms glow with blue word marks before she passes out. And that's those three chapters. It wasn't a lot. It's kind of some fluff then with the yeah. reveal of like, it's Kane and he summoned this thing of the Ray Rack. And then like, it's a little bit of fluff and then it's the duels. 
We we're almost to the end. 12 chapters left. And we'll be done. And then we get to move on to Crown of Midnight. Woohoo! <laughs> Maybe not, not woohoo. <laughs> Ooh, it's so much kale. It's so much kale. We'll get there. At least, see, like, I loved Tower Dawn, but I loved Tower Dawn for everything except for And it was his book, and he was his his book. I am excited for Tower and Dawn just because Mm -hmm. of there's like all that, but also I love Nezrin and Sartak, and I would love a novella of them, like their whole relationship. I loved them so much. I was like so much, and then you get bored and like the rucks. I need a little side story of that whole thing. Yes, I love them. We'll we'll be a while before we get Tower and Dawn, but it's coming. Yes. They're my favorite side-side side side couple. couple. Mm-hmm. So please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Throne of Chaos Pod. So come say hi. Kelsey has finally finished Fourth Wing. So if you have also read Fourth Wing. <laughs> I have a new obsession, ready. y'all. I have a whole new I told you. I, I've been waiting two months for Kelsey yeah. to read this book. I, I even drove 45 minutes out of the way to get her the stenciled edges yeah welcome thank you for that yeah and and I don't want to I'm not like tabbing that one or anything but now I'm like okay Mm -hmm. I need to get the paperback so I can just annotate because I have so much I want to annotate they push back the paperback release because the hardcovers are selling so well and I'm a crazy person so I have the stencil edged one I have the um probably smut book club special edition I was able to get the bookish box special edition. And then I saw there was a. It's an Illumina crate one. Did you get that one? I didn't get the Illumina crate one. I didn't even try for that one, to be honest. Yeah. And then a shop in the UK was doing signed UK editions. So I got one of the. So you and it's on the five. way. <laughs> so by the time I get done, I'm going to have like five of them and then I've already ordered the iron flame in UK because they get the stenciled edges this time Mm -hmm. and the U.S. is just getting the sprayed edges which I've already pre-ordered the sprayed edges so I can pick that up on release day yeah and read it and then yeah just get to wait for the prettier edges to come but then that one will match my signed edition so we won't have spoilers but just know that ending I know we might need to do a bonus episode that's just a spinoff and yeah. talking about fourth wing. <laughs> but I will say, like, if you know, you know, Reese is my number one. After only one book, someone might be coming for his spot. <laughs> I'm, oh. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. And come message me and I will talk to it <laughs> all about you. Yes, we want <laughs> all of the um, fourth wing thoughts. Yeah. Like, my whole TikTok algorithm right now is nothing but, (laughs) and I've been holding off so many fourth wing TikToks for two months. Just, yeah, yeah. I'm a good friend. We got someone coming from Reese's spot and we got someone coming for Tamlin's spot. Someone took Tamlin's spot. Someone really did take it. Someone really took Tamlin's spot and. Yeah. Okay. That's enough fourth wing. Yeah. So, uh, you can also find us on YouTube. So check us out over there and subscribe. And again, thank you for listening to The Chaos. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.